If you were unable to attend last evening's banquet, we have a history table set up in the back of the sanctuary and encourage you to visit after worship this morning. We also have a table set up with commemorative glasses and Christmas ornaments and invite you to take one of each home with you to remember this wonderful occasion. The Old Testament reading for this, the celebration of our 125th anniversary, is from the 34th chapter of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me, on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped, and he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, Please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the second chapter of Ephesians. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord, the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory to you. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Friends in Christ, I bid you grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want to just simply start out by saying, uh, bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters throughout the Eastern District, 123 uh, churches throughout uh, New York and Pennsylvania and into the panhandle of uh, Maryland. And I want you to know I'm honored to be here this morning to celebrate your 125th anniversary. Um, I haven't been here to this parish in in many years, um, but I feel like I know you. And in a way, I feel like I'm home because I spent 27 years of my career in western Pennsylvania, up in Beaver County. And... Uh, and uh, that was my first call, and uh, I've spent a significant part of my life traveling in and around Pittsburgh. My wife, Diane, is a Pittsburgh native, and uh, she's uh, from Sharpsburg. We were married at First Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, and you know where that is. That parish is no longer there, and uh, we met in Station Square, and uh, I can tell you that story uh, maybe after lunch. Uh, but uh, I still have many friends here in the Pittsburgh area, and among them, your pastor. I consider him a friend, uh, Dr. Ed Grimenstein, and uh, he's a wonderful pastor, and he's a wonderful circuit visitor, he, and I am truly blessed, truly blessed uh, to have him at my disposal. When I, I have an issue down here, he's always willing to help me, and I, I thank him greatly for that. My, uh, my text, St. Paul's words, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. St. Paul writes, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. These words of St. Paul, who is a pastor, he's writing on behalf of himself and two co-pastors, Silas and Timothy. He writes these words to the congregation in the ancient Greek city of Thessalonica. And uh, Paul obviously had a great love for the members of that congregation in Thessalonica. He had real positive feelings about their future. He was so pleased with the way things were going there. And he loved them, I think, especially because they demonstrated 
certain characteristics as a church. And when I read these words, I thought about you. Now, I'm sitting up there in Buffalo, but I know what's going on down here. And when I, when I read about this parish, you have a wonderful church. And I truly believe that you have a fabulous future. And I know that because I get around. And uh, I'm just pleased as can be with, with what's going on here. But there are three characteristics. Three characteristics making for a great church, which I believe are present right here at Zion Lutheran Church. But first, let me tell you about the church at Thessalonica. What they were like, the challenges they were facing. Thessalonica was on a major road connecting Rome with, uh, with eastern territories. And uh, it had a very, very busy harbor. And uh, in Thessalonica, you found many wealthier Roman citizens, they chose to build their homes there. It was an attractive place to live. But alongside the wealthy people, you also found very poor people. And uh, we know that many of the inhabitants of Thessalonica were involved in the common idolatry, paganism of the day, although that was kind of waning. And I think a lot of people at the time were recognizing a void in their lives, that they needed something more, that those pagan practices weren't providing. So Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians, and he introduces himself. He says, hey, it's Paul. Remember me? And, uh, of course, uh, Paul writes this letter, and, and uh, Silas and Paul had been imprisoned in, in Philippi. And, and, and then they were, they were forced to leave that city, and they went to Thessalonica, and they planted this church. And uh, so, so the time he spent planting a church there, no walk in a park, um, animosity towards them, very intense. The, the, there were Jews living in the area who didn't like this business of preaching Jesus as Messiah. And so they had some pretty intense opposition and uh, they plant this church, then they go, they went on to Berea, and these antagonists followed them there, and, uh, and then they went on to Corinth. And we think that Paul wrote this letter from Corinth to the Thessalonians, about, let's say, 51 AD, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, grace to you and peace. That word church, a very interesting word, ecclesia. It speaks of a people called out from among the larger population. They would use that word oftentimes for a town council where a certain group of people were, were, were called out to serve the larger population. To the church at Thessalonica, called by God. And he says to them, we give thanks to God for you, making mention of you in our prayers. 
And that's rather interesting because if, if you look at the original language there, it suggests that Paul and Silas and Timothy were praying for the members of the congregation by name. So there was a certain intimacy there in the relationship with the church at Thessalonica. And what else? Paul doesn't say, hey, we did a great job planting your church. He says, no, we give glory to God through Jesus Christ. We give thanks and credit to God, our Heavenly Father, for what he's doing in, this, in Thessalonica. J.S. Bach, uh, at the end of every one of his compositions, you know what he would write? Soli Deo Gloria. You know what that means? God gets all the glory. We can look back on our accomplishments, but we got to be careful lest we become prideful. We, for everything we've been able to accomplish, we give thanks to God for his grace, his mercy. So no matter what pastors and congregations manage to accomplish, it is always so important that we pause and give thanks to God because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be able to get anything done at all. So here are the three important characteristics of the church at Thessalonica. Number one, he says, we give thanks to God the Father for your work produced by faith. The first characteristic of the church at Thessalonica is that they were people of faith. They believed in God and his son, Jesus Christ. They trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The people of the church of Thessalonica kept the main thing, the main thing. They preached Christ crucified. They kept the cross at the center of everything. The foundation of their existence was faith in Jesus Christ who gave himself for them upon the cross. They are enjoying this wonderful new relationship with God. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of their lives. And as a consequence of their faith, they were energized and productive. They were not just people of faith. Their faith resulted in works of service. The faith flowing, the, their works flowing out of their thankfulness for what God had done for them in Christ. And the word that is translated here as work is not just some busyness. It suggests great effort being expended for the cause of the gospel and in service to God. They didn't just serve. They were always looking for an opportunity to serve God. It was a natural outgrowth of their, of their faith. They were always seeking new ways to serve. That's what this suggests. Number two, the second character, characteristic, labor prompted by love. And uh, a little different word is used here. The word translated here as labor suggests 
effort that is expended when the going gets rough. It suggests effort in the face of challenges. But what prompts them in the straining forward, in the face of obstacles, is love. And the word there is one that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. It's agape. And agape is the word used all through the New Testament to to speak of the self-giving of Christ upon the cross. That love which caused him to come to this earth, to shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. So the sacrificial love of theirs is prompted by the love of Christ. So putting it all together, they sacrifice in response to Christ's sacrifice on their behalf. And uh, then the third characteristic of this church at Thessalonica, a very important one, because it points to the future, endurance inspired by hope. And uh, endurance inspired by hope. Their hope was in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is coming again. And that colored their whole view of the future. And we, we don't think of endurance here uh, as we think of just kind of taking on whatever comes our way or bearing our crosses. Uh, that's a passive thing. This isn't passive at all. This is a, the word that's used here is, an, is almost an aggressive thing. It's a defiance in the face of obstacles. We're going to achieve great things in the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. We're going to move ahead and we're going to take on whatever, whatever the world uh, sends in our direction uh, because of what Christ has done for us. We're going to serve him in our lives. So, when I looked at this, I thought, well, these are characteristics of your church. These are characteristics of Zion Lutheran Church, Bridgeville. Number one, I, to borrow the words of St. Paul, I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your faith. And your faith is evidenced by what you have done and what you have accomplished together over the years. You've worked together. You've accomplished so much. And you know what the really great thing is? You're still at it. You're planning and talking and working and adding opportunities for people to grow in Christ. And for people to come to know Christ. Number two, labor prompted by love. Remember the word for love here is agape. Conscious of what Jesus has done for you. Going to the cross and shedding his blood. His great sacrifice at the center of everything you do. Your willingness to sacrifice for him and for one another. Not a passive Resignation, endurance, inspired by hope. Not a passive thing. A positive view towards the future. We're going to do some great things here for God. His power enables us almost a defiant stance towards the future. We are living in the midst of very difficult times. Would you agree? I said last night, I'm afraid to read the newspaper. 
These are extremely challenging times, and they are extremely challenging times for churches. You may not be aware, but churches are closing at record levels. Did you know that? Thousands of churches have closed. We live in tough times. And quite frankly, our culture has become toxic. We no longer... We no longer carry on ministry within the context of a Christian culture. There is great hostility abroad for the Christian message. You know that, right? This is not the world that I grew up in. And yet this is the environment we're called to do ministry in. But you know what the first order of business is? Before we take the first step, it's to remain faithful. To remain faithful to God's word, to keep the cross at the center of everything we do, mindful of the Great Commission, to bring the lost to Jesus, our number one goal is never to be the most popular church in town. And we're not going to run ever after every trend that pops up. And we're not going to sway every time the wind blows. Because the number one thing is to remain faithful to God's word. Number two, endurance. It's used here looking towards the future. You're not going to just survive. You're going to thrive. And do great things. And accomplish great things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because you know that you are part of a story spanning 2,000 years. And we also know that God is bigger than any challenges we face. Look at what Paul calls them in verse 4, loved by God. And interesting structure there. It suggests an event that has ramifications far into the future. And you know what it's referring to? Jesus dying on the cross. For our sins. That action having been completed. The sacrifice of our Lord. The good gospel of the cross. At the center of everything we do. So. Faith. Present here. Works. Labors of love. Present here. Endurance. Overcoming obstacles, challenges in the past. A determination to overcome obstacles in the future. Present here. 
at Zion Lutheran Church in no small measure. So, in conclusion, just let me say to you, uh, people of Zion, congratulations. 125 years, no small thing. And uh, know that we love you. We love you. We thank God for you. And we thank God for your faith. And we thank God for your labors of love. And we thank you for your endurance. And we thank you for your grace. And uh, we simply pray God's blessings on you. And we believe, we all believe that your future is bright with the promises of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.